Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 18. In this episode, my friends and I strike out into a conversation on biblical manhood. We spend some time talking about what concepts of masculinity might be more culturally defined and what are the ones that we can find in the scripture. We talk about uh, commitment to nonviolence and self-control discretion in those areas. Um, And then we wind up really talking about the chief and principal virtue, not just for men, but for all who follow God, which is love itself. So give it a listen. I hope you enjoy. Hello. Hi. Throwing people for a loop with my choice of greeting. I don't want to know how anyone is doing. (laughs) I just really want to establish that right now. Uh, You guys can take your lives and your problems and uh, any concerns and tell them to someone who cares. Excellent. Deal with it like men. Men? Oh, that's a great transition. Yeah. Hey, uh, biblical manhood, what's that all about? Mm. <clears throat> like, what does it look like? To, to <clears throat> What does it smell like? Uh, I mean, I have done very little prep work. I mean, we talked that we talked uh, last week, like this would be a topic that we would probably wind up breaching. And then it's something that David said on, what was it, maybe like Thursday, Friday, he said you wanted to tackle this topic tonight so uh yeah i actually do have a piece of paper in my pocket piece of paper in my pocket uh and it is some notes that i had taken last time i read through proverbs but i know eric has problems with the canonicity of proverbs so we might Mm -hmm. not be able to really uh talk about that but yeah uh what does the bible say about having a y chromosome Well, literally nothing about that. Literally. But, yeah. What? 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 Yeah, David, you're the one that, uh... You're like, let's do it. Well, I don't just want to hear what other people say. I'll just tackle on that. Just disagree with, uh... I'm not interested in contributing anything original. I just want to piece apart other people's ideas. Well, I do have something about manhood uh that i think goes along with this just a question i have um so when it comes to biblical manhood i think that uh a lot of people automatically are mixing in american culture into what a christian should really be doing um and i just want to see where everyone lies on this but so i was thinking about this the other day when it comes to like providing for your family, which okay. is something you're supposed to be able to do as, as a husband, right? As, as the mm-hmm. lead, head of the household. But I was thinking like, what if the decision that you guys make as a family, as a married couple is that, um, you know, whatever job your wife happens to have, she makes a lot more. And so when you have a kid, you end up being the one that stays home instead of her. And she ends up providing the finances, but you're providing in the household is that you know, is, I, I, I know that, that some people look down upon that, but it's like, is, is that, that not admissible? also... Right, yeah, yeah, is that not also providing for your family? Why does it have to be financially in every... It, does it or does it? That's the whole thing that I'm, I'm trying to get, get out there. Because hmm. I feel like 
far too often guys guys just have this idea of what manhood looks like because of American culture. And so I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are on that. I will, I mean, I think if you're going like, to be a man, not like providing for your family, that's, I would say that's one part of it, just like, you know, providing money. But the other part of it is like leading your family. Right. That's, that's a big thing. It's not only like, am I making enough family for my family to survive, but am I leading them in the direction of uh, godliness? And if, I, I don't think it's, any less of a man if a woman makes more money and you stay home. I don't think that's because like how I see it is that um like being a staying at home mom. I think that's a full time <clears throat> job. I think like that is a job. Um, the mom is you know teaching and stuff. And I think if the man stays home, I don't think that's any less manly because you're still working a full time job, and um you can still lead house with that you can still lead um teach godliness the only problem i kind of again like i'm not seeing a big problem with it just i kind of just see it causing problems is that how do i want this uh not in korean it's having the idea of like oh woman the woman thinks like she's doing better off better than the man's doing because she's the one providing like uh, i don't know how to put how to this quickly. i do feel like it would be difficult in a lot of circumstances for a woman to um submit uh yeah that but i'm talking more like uh to to view the husband as the primary leader and provider and caretaker of the home when she's the one that's earning the money um, I, I don't think that there's anything immoral with, you know, a woman working or even with a woman earning more, um, than the man. I think that the prospect of the man being the one going out and, you know, doing the work outside the home and the woman doing the also difficult and important work of making the home is not really culturally based so much as it's like biologically based. Um, you know, as men, we're more biologically expendable. Um, if so, if you have a father, mother, and child, if the mother dies, the child will die. You know, like if this is a newborn um, baby and it's eating from her body, like you know, eating her fingers and <laughs> toes and everything. Uh, if the baby is nursing, <laughs> that's the joke. Uh, if the baby is nursing, then, you know, the baby's also going to, well, you know, you, you'd wind up finding someone else in the community to be a wet nurse. Um, but if the, if the father passes, which is also a tragedy, um, there, it seems like there are more readily available solutions kind of to that problem. Um... And also, the, it makes more sense for the mother to be the one who's at home uh, with the baby, particularly, um, you know, taking care of it because she is the one that can feed it out of her body. So I don't think that there's, uh, that it's a cultural thing that we see the man being the primary provider and protector. Uh, I think that that is something that's kind of built into our biology. So... <clears throat> Um, I, I did some 
you know, I listened to just a couple of people, Matt Chandler being one of them, and prior to this whole um, podcast or even our conversation previous to this one, uh, you know, I had uh, was having a debate online, those of us one, uh, about like um, being kind of a pacifist or not, and that's all pacifist tied. Pacifist or passivist? Yeah. Pacifist. Okay. Um, and people tie like manhood to that as well or, or whatnot. Um, but so one of the things for me, how I would approach the topic when you say biblical, um, manhood is what the Bible, like I just take it at face value, what the Bible has to say. Mm -hmm. I agree with what you're saying biologically that there are just things that men obviously do more proficiently than women Mm -hmm. and vice versa. But I don't necessarily call that biblical. It's just more natural. Natural. Um, And the reason why I think that the... Because you're right, it's it's, it's natural, it's biological, and so it's not necessarily tied to culture. But I think what we have to take into consideration when we're talking about like a natural definition of men and women is that our culture... Right, when we say our culture, but our world is changing so much that those biological differences, those proficiencies, have a less effect in our life. Anyways. Yeah, like formula exists for feeding right. a baby, yeah. and uh, you know, women can make as much as seventy percent what a man makes in the job market. No, I'm messing. I don't yeah. believe that. So, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. You, you I'm, I'm, maybe I'm misunderstanding. You're saying like nowadays. Because you can buy baby formula. It doesn't matter? Like, mom, like, I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not understanding what you're trying to say. Well, yeah, so it, it's not really, it doesn't affect, so like... Does it really affect the baby? Um, it, it just doesn't affect the household, I say, as much. That, let's say, I have more testosterone, I have more muscle mass. Okay, but I'm not literally... You're, pu- you're not pushing a plow. Yeah, I'm not yeah. pushing a plow. I'm not building my house with my own hands. I'm buying it. My workplace... Maybe the most that I have to do physically, like some people, is just get up out of a chair. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, so it's like that, that then those kind of efficiencies or proficiencies that you have as a male or as a female come are kind of going away. They're not needed as much. Doesn't mean there still aren't differences between male and female, but the whole idea for me, the discussion of manhood and womanhood, I think you have to be careful with, with your cultural context that's even present within the Bible um, and try. And this was something that we were, when we were talking about last week, is it, is this just cultural? Like even it, just in the Bible, like the Bible's culture, or is this something that's universal no matter what time and day, uh, whatever age you, you live in. And so where I fall in um, just hearing from like people who are, uh, would be called more like reformed, Matt Chandler, I feel like, is more of an evangelical, though he has reformed tendencies. Um, the way that Matt Chandler would define where I'm at probably is more of a uh, a flat gender kind of thing where I don't really see the Bible calling like the differences between male and female that much different, especially for Christians. Yeah. Um, and I honestly think that a lot of the differences, this is where I feel like Matt misses the point, because he's saying, yes, there are things that males are called to do that females are called to do. But he says... But are or are not? Are. Okay. Like, like I can say that, oh, you know, men ought to be loving. Well, I'm saying yeah. Right? yeah. But he says, uh, when the male and the 
female, when a man and woman is in the view of the whatever scripture reading, there's always these distinctions. And I would say that, yes, but primarily because of a role they're playing, not so much because of the gender they have. And an example is husband and wife. As yeah. a husband, you have certain responsibilities in that role. The reason I won't call that manhood is because what about the men who, who aren't, aren't husbands? Yeah. Right. No, I got you. That's that's kind of why when I was responding, my first, um, the first thing that I said is, I think it would probably be hard for a lot of women to um, see themselves as, to, to see their husband as the leader of the home when they're the ones who are providing for the home. And right. it'd be, it, it's also difficult to watch someone else take the lead with the finances when you're the one bringing in all the finances. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so not to say that that's, you know, impossible or that, uh, that that therefore makes a mandate. And I think Eric, what you were saying is also true where it's like people want to say, well, the difference between men and women is like women should be nurturing and men should be strong. And it's like, well, the Bible says that men should be nurturing mm -hmm. and it says that women should be strong. Right. Like the, mm -hmm. I tell my students all the time, like the Proverbs 31 woman, she strengthens her arms. Like she gets yeah. strong because that way she's able to do more you know, with the with the preparation she of the house. a lot. What's that? Yeah. I'm yeah. Like I mean, really she's in impressed. real estate. She's yeah. in, like, she starts businesses and yeah. closes them down. And, it's, like, she buys her flax from afar. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, she, like, I was impressed reading how much that woman who's yeah. described is doing. Yeah. That's, like, uh, that's why I even feel like people who think about things in a more traditional way is still not looking at, like, what the Bible has to say. Now, is that a jewish culture thing i what i see is that both the man and the woman have responsibilities and both of them are really putting in a lot of effort yeah um and I, and again like yeah if biology comes into play it's like you can't expect the woman to be plowing the field and doing the same things physically as you are yeah. but she's not doing nothing but these days like you know i my job is i'm a teacher right and i mean there are more female teachers than there are male teachers right, right. so and I, I the most strenuous thing i do all day at my job is just, you know, punch kids. And that doesn't really take much because they're so small. So. Anyway. Well, yeah, I think we're getting more to the root of it then because obviously there are biological differences between men and women and there are specific roles we are supposed to play as men and women that scripture talks about. So what then would we say, apart from everything else, scripture is, is saying about what being you know, what, a, what is a biblical man? What, what does that actually look like? Yeah, and we can go even apart from, you know, a husband. So Right. Well, were, were we, was that where the direction you were wanting to go? I, I, like... I have no plans. Okay. Well, but I, I'm fine with us pursuing whatever. I was thinking about this on the way here because, uh, you know, being biology and stuff like that, and how, like I said, that's becoming less of... Uh, an less of a factor. Thing. Yeah, yeah, less of a factor. And it's like, um, you know, we as Christians, so like God, what it shows us is that God did make men and women differently. Mm -hmm. There's obviously a lot of overlap, but there are some differences. But I was like uh, thinking that, yes, but those differences are, are what I would call old world differences, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I don't mean like Europe, old world. <laughs> no, I, mean, I got you. Yeah. Old world is in like in their applicability, right? So like the old creation, but we're coming into new creation where 
I don't even know what male and female will look like, honestly. Wait, wait, wait. When you what say you new mean? creation, are you talking about like the new heavens and new earth? Yeah, or are you yeah, talking yeah. about the twenty first century? No, no, no. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah, because in, in the new in the resurrection there's there's no marriage. They're not married yeah. or given in marriage. Right. So what's yeah. a female gonna look like then? They're, we're all just gonna be dudes. We're all gonna... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so weird. I mean, hey, in the Bible, does it ever say that there are women in heaven or in the new earth? Huh? <laughs> there's no gender no. roles. Well, there's no husbands or wives. Yeah. But it always talks about like, I mean, does it ever say anything specifically about women being yeah. in heaven I'm or in the sure. new earth? What if they return to us? Ah, oh, that would like be Nicole so weird. becomes my rib again. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be so weird. Huh. Uh, well, we don't know, right? We don't know what that's going to look like, and so that's why I'm like... I am obviously kidding. Like, I believe that there will be female believers. Yeah. Yeah, nobody <laughs> Just hears. wanted to clarify yeah. that. <laughs> but, we, but we don't know what it's going to look like, right? It's going to be different. Correct. Uh, yeah. There might be some things that are sane. Can I make this more shallow? Yeah. For, like, it, it, we don't have to pursue this for a long time, but, like, would you date a girl who could bench more than you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, what does she look like? That's my <laughs> if she if it is a girl who can bench more than, well, maybe not you, David. Just about to say, but... my, mine's put like I think anyone. No, dude, seriously, my sister. This is this says something about biology right here. My sister has been working out like pretty consistently, close to two times per week since uh, July, and David, who weighs less than her. I was just going to say less than that. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying like, that's how tiny. By like a good chunk. And uh, not that my sister's, you know, No, David's just large, tiny. But yeah, David is a, a, a tinier human. And uh, David, who has not really worked out, just kind of came out to the garage. And he's like, yeah, throw, was it 100? Yeah. Like, throw 100 on the bar. And he just pumped out three sets of five. And my sister could still could not do that after working out for months. Yeah. And uh, David, who's just kind of put it on the... I wouldn't even say back burner, just kind yeah. of stopped for probably longer than my sister's been working out um, and just kind of come back and hit it. Well, you're making a so, good point then because I very quickly said yes to you your would, question. You but, would date a girl who would bench more, who yes, bench more than you? But as even though it might sound go, like we're going even more shallow, what Eric said, I, I, I'm now thinking of it a little <laughs> bit differently because, because it's like um, just knowing that men tend to be stronger than women generally it's like if a woman could bench more than me, then yeah, how would she look? <laughs> it's like I don't think I'd want to be with a woman that looked beefy, you yeah. know. So it, it would really depend on on who it is. I do know? feel like the the upper body lower body difference is mm. pretty substantial. Like for a for a woman to be able to bench, let's just say more than what you Sam can bench, being a man of medium build, mm -hmm. you know, um, she would look. Beefy. Uh, beefy. Yeah. yeah. So then my answer would have to be no, now that I've thought about it. <laughs> oh, but then here's a question that kind of goes back to what Eric was saying earlier, and this kind of ties the shallow and the, I won't say deep, but <laughs> however deep we were earlier together. If you're So you're talking about how physical differences matter less in the uh, current age. If your wife, it's like if your wife can bench more than you, that doesn't mean that if you hear like, you know, a window break in the middle of the night, you go, okay, babe, like, you're the strong one out of the two of us. Like, you go check it out. Oh, yes, it does. No, oh, no, no, it does not. <laughs> yes, no, it does. Well, see, this, this goes into... No, it does not. I... There, okay, so there's this on Instagram. 
there are it's not just this one but i found this uh bjj yeah bjj yeah brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, oh okay person oh well, not okay um what's well, it's not an expert, is it a someone woman? who practice yeah so okay. it's a young girl 24 okay and the reason that one of the things that stood out about her is that she doesn't look beefy or anything yep she's just, i can tell you firsthand yeah she's just gorgeous i mean she could be a model but <laughs> she also is very dangerous now yeah. if i was dating her and there was something like i don't know anything brazilian jiu-jitsu and you know like i am not gonna push her behind me i'm gonna put her to the side of me like we're taking this really? on really yes really why wouldn't you i so, mean why wouldn't so she? So so as part of being a husband, I also think. Does well, that mean that you are supposed to be the one to always be in the front? Even I think if she that you stronger. should. I think you should be the protector. But also, I think a woman who can whoop your butt yeah. is gonna have a hard time even thinking about dating you. That might be to true. To be honest, I mean that. Um, I don't want to speak for them, but that might be true. But I'm just saying, if you were in that situation, so let's not even say martial artist or whatever if you're with a wmba player who's seven foot tall like 250 pounds seven feet tall they are that's, that's gotta be like the one of the tallest women in the yeah, world yeah seven feet Dude, tall honestly, yes. that's like, like how are you you know how silly it looks like you're like babe stay right <laughs> okay <laughs> she's got a deeper voice <laughs> yeah, it's like Shaquille on the old hands yeah. well here's the thing speaking as a guy who like my wife is taller than me yeah but not cartoonishly all right, I I think there's still well, I think there still you is do a mandate. Brazilian yeah. jiu-jitsu. Well, yeah, like, it does not make any sense for her to get. Right, so, but if you had a Travis, a female Travis version, I'd be like Travis. Both of you would kill anybody who comes. Uh, I, I, I'm with Travis. I think the man should always step up. Be, like that's it, it seems I, to be I, the yeah, pattern that's not just assumed but like stated in scripture. Like uh, you see. Uh, the example that I've heard pastors go to and that I, I think really does matter is like you go to somewhere in Nehemiah where it says, um, Israel, I'm basically I'm going to equip you to defend your sons and your daughters and your wives. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't say and your husbands, No, you know, and there were pro there were some women in ancient times that were stronger than some of the men. I can just about guarantee you. Right. Just like today, there are some women who are stronger than some men, mm -hmm. but it's like it doesn't I don't think that that changes the station as far as like part of what you're doing as a leader is protecting and, you know, pro protecting, providing for and uh, operating as just the one who leads in, in your faith as well. Like oh. if it, I would have a hard time recommending to a young lady that she date or consider for marriage a guy who is less spiritually developed than right. she herself is. Also, like, I'm not married, but I assume, like, when you, like, all married, I just, I just have a whole time believing that men want to, want to do that, like, to his wife. Like, that, I just have a whole time believing, like, like, would protect her? Yeah, like, would, well, that would send the wife out. Wife out. Oh, oh, like, yeah. As a married couple, I just don't see a man willing to do that because, like, she could get home or anything anything mm -hmm. happens like having just having that feeling like as a man like just that just seems wrong okay so two things because this is i think it's going to hit on the pacifist conversation yeah um but that could be a whole podcast that That's could true. be a whole podcast i'm oh. not trying to make it oh, it's a quick yeah, yeah but man ahead. i would definitely date a woman that's 70 feet tall it's seven feet tall. Dude, I, I don't know why, but I'm like really attracted to women that are taller than me. And imagine, yeah, that's way imagine David 
telling us. <laughs> no, uh, if she says, if I say, I'll, I'll volunteer, but if she's like, okay, I'm gonna go with you, I'm like, I want it all you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> whatever <laughs> you say, baby. <laughs> whatever you say. But I, I think to me that that, like, I think you want to protect your loved ones. Of course. I think whether man or woman, like, I don't want to take women out of this conversation, but you, you do. But to me, it's like, again, I'm not trying to go with what is traditional or anything like that. Uh, I'm just trying to go with like what, where we're at right now and if it makes any sense doing that kind of stuff. So it's like, if you're not the provider anymore financially, would it make sense for you to, to still be paying all the bills with your, with your own money? Even though your wife is making more money and you want to be a gentleman like I'm the provider and it doesn't. You know, now you got to have to rethink that. And it's the same thing physically. This is obviously going to be more exception than rule. Right. But if your wife is stronger and knows martial arts, let's just say before her life as a Christian, she was a spy. She was mm -hmm. like freaking Black Widow. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If I had Black Widow by my side, it's not like I would just send her and, and hide. It would be more like I'm bringing her with me because we're family. This would provide the most protection for us and my children. And you could you could no. like die. Also, like die. Black Widow doesn't wind up marrying. No, you're like, right. Greg from accounting. You you're know? right. <laughs> she married. I don't. But, I, I have no, no idea. She, uh, she uh, Greg from where is that from? Greg from accounting. Huh? That sounds like. A, oh, I just oh. said something. But um, I I would like to probably say that for the most part that's probably true. But it's weird. Like some couples are weird. Yeah, dude, some couples and, are weird. So, like, you, let's just hypothetically say there was a couple like that. I feel like it wouldn't make any sense. Well, and there are definitely the stereotypical... Like, I feel I feel like there's abundant examples of cartoons where you have, like, the shrimpy guy and then the beefy, like, kind of domineering woman yeah. uh, next to him. But still, like, I, yeah. I, I always feel bad for those guys. Yeah. He, my problem with it... I mean, it's just, this is just my personal with it. I'm not saying this right or wrong. I just... I... If I was dating a girl that was much stronger than me, you know, see, I I still want to just I want to risk it. I would honestly would I would be the one I would be just just because the type of person I am. It's just like I I'd rather be injured and stuff than someone that I loved get the chance. You know, you mean have a chance? Like it's like I I just want to take the chance. I think that's just too too high of a take risk. Take a chance. Take a chance. Yeah, I think that's just too high of a risk. But like if someone that I truly loved. I think it's just too high of a risk for me to, like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. If I were to, like, yeah, I, I just don't see, I just don't see myself doing it. I just, I want to take the chance. Yeah. For me. I, I don't think I could forgive myself because knowing that I. I, look, I totally agree with you with that. But like, like, I would totally take that chance. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Like, for me at that situation, I'm not thinking like with chivalry. I'm thinking strategy. And it's like two are better than one. If if it's just one guy or if it's multiple people, and my wife has skills like Liam Neeson. I'm so this is what it took to turn Eric from the idealist into the pragmatist is to put his life in danger. Oh, absolutely. It's like, like send the wife in. Send the wife. Well, because like, look, if I know that I'm outmatched or whatever, like, and I don't really have a good hiding place for my children and my wife, it's like they're gonna take me out easier, and then my wife and children are up to that, right? So it's Go like. Get them, babe. So it's like, let's both of us, and you see this in like nature where like the male and the female, where they're, I mean, there's still differences, but like they work together. They always do better. They always do better than just this one lone wolf that's going to go ahead and like, that just doesn't make any sense to but me in a practice. you also, you have to think like, okay, well, if you think of this like strategy wise, 
you have to consider there might be more than there might be like five guys down there. Actually, let me get let me go even further. I might even get my children involved. Uh. <laughs> I will go Patriot. The Patriot on them. You better be the dad who's teaching them marksmanship and trapping yeah, and all that. I'm not. I don't know anything. Yeah. Apparently, but, but if you on that arcade you're game, I did. You're saying strategy-wise. This is not a lie. I impressed some random dude because I killed like 18 raccoons that were parachuting. Yeah. Don't ask me the game. That was literally what happened. Anyways. But if you're talking about strategy-wise, you got to think, okay, well, like... How many guys are down there? How many people are down there? Right, you're right. Okay? Yeah. Then you also, if you're also thinking strategy-wise, you have to like, are you going to be able to live with yourself if your child gets severely injured or your wife gets severely like, how, like I'm just having trouble, like, like of being able to live with that. Like you're I just don't. Right, yeah. I, I, if you're thinking about strategy, I would, my strategy would be like, I'm going to all my power to make sure like they're okay. I'm not going to risk of someone that I love getting injured. You ever see law-abiding citizen? No. Where, but now that's a bit different because he was restrained. But let's say you did your best, you know, as yourself, and you were hurt, and they just left you because they thought you were going to die and you ended up surviving, and then your your wife and children ended up dead. You're still going to end up in that position because you didn't do enough. So the only way that you're not going to end up in that position is if you're dead. And I think at that point <laughs> you're being selfish. Okay. No. If you're dead. Yeah, because also, if you're like, well, I'm also, dead. And it was like, but okay, but I'm also there's still people living. Wise, if I was, are you saying like, is there an upstairs? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean, too. Okay, so if I was upstairs, no, I would just yell like, hey, if I had a gun, like, hey, you take all you want downstairs. I don't give a crap what you take downstairs. Take all the TV, I don't give a crap. Just don't come upstairs. Like, downstairs is free. Take all you want. I'm not, like, again, it's, if it's I was the things. Robert, like, let's go upstairs. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just, stuff my <laughs> it's just it's I got just, the hope I, diamond. <laughs> I just want to risk it. Like, I, I want to care about what I own and if it comes to do with someone Someone's it's like only life. your least favorite kids are yeah. downstairs. Oh, my <laughs> favorite kids are upstairs. <laughs> Don't go into the second room. Right. Don't do it. Yeah. Oh no. Can, can I like kind of shift gears here? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I I do want to kind of I don't mind talking about this, but um, just let's let's lay out some principles for biblical manhood. Like, mm. what are some like a a, a man biblically should be. X, Y, Z. And here's the thing is that most of the things that you find that you do wind up saying are things that women should also be doing. Right. So that's what but, um, Do they have to be exclusive? Well, let's start non-exclusive and then let's see if we wind up uh, saying some things that are exclusive. Because uh, uh, I think leadership of the home is the one that's like really um, clear cut in the but, text. Well, okay. But in that context, are, so are we not separating biblical manhood from being a biblical husband uh yeah we can we can just say these are things that every man should be regardless of if he's married or not right like that's let's explore that list okay okay i was gonna say self-controlled okay which is you know admittedly for myself uh struggle but like i think that that's definitely something you gotta work on okay um, but I don't, I'm not gonna say that it's necessarily exclusive, right? It has to be a little bit down from there, right? Um, so you're saying like what? What makes a biblical man? A what biblical should man? a man be biblically? Oh, oh, I mean, I think. This is knows I would say this is. Would you say hardworking? Would you say that? I would say yeah, that. definitely say hardworking. Yeah, that that's discipline. What do you mean? Like, how does discipline uh, differ from self-control? 
I think they might be the same, but I, I, why I'm saying that is like, um, we know biologically, right, that uh, women's brains work differently. Mm. And not to say that they're like, just completely irrational or, or void Waffles of, and spaghetti? Right. <laughs> but, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's like, um, if you have the ability to, to do the waffle, like, mm -hmm. And compartmentalize and try to separate and, and look at it through more of a more of an efficient or simpler way um, I think then that's then that's something that men should do because I don't think you're gonna really get that as much from women okay I'll say sacrificial I think that's more mm. when you had said hard-working before yeah it's hard -working. I think there's also uh, like Eric kind of said earlier, there's less of a difference now between the amount that, let's say, a man can earn and what a woman can earn. But, uh, you know, you're still, regardless, you know, yeah. I think we should all be hardworking. And uh, then... Sacrificial, I think that's a really big one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could you could just go through the, you know, list in Galatians, right? But, mm -hmm. like, that's not specifically about men are you trying to yeah i mean i think women should be hard working too and right right you know. right so so it's like so the fruit, we're, the we're fruit of the spirit putting yeah. it putting it out there and trying to figure it out what's the fruit of the spirit love love joy, peace, peace patience kindness, kindness, kindness goodness, faithfulness and self-control self self um i think men in a like, if they're gonna sing, ought to do the deeper tones. <laughs> <laughs> the bare tones. Yeah. Uh, no, Some men just have higher pitched voices. They can, That's but you see, but women can't ever get that low. Yeah. No. Besides, so? aside no from what mm. Pitch Perfect tells them. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Overlapping bell curves. So uh, last time I went through Proverbs, actually no, this was probably a couple years ago. And I was like, I'm going to make a list of all the things that uh, it seems that the text is saying that a man should be. And you know that most of Proverbs is a letter from a father to a son. Um, so there are going to be things on this list that women sh should also be. But I think that this, these are things that men are specifically called to. And uh, if there was something like an overlap, I tried to kind of leave them out. So I tried to use the words that least overlapped with other words. So wise. You know, because this book of wisdom, uh, calm, generous, hardworking, confident, content, honest, strong, quiet, discerning, faithful, grave, joyful, respectful, and patient and then there are two that i don't i couldn't really find like one word to really sum it up so um able to find joy in simple pleasures and able to not be phased by ill fortune perceived unfairness or hardship mm. so i think that's that's like my i i go through this list like i've um i keep this in my bible and i also have a note on my phone and these are the things that i try to pray for for myself um that God would be cultivating these in me. And a lot of them do overlap, 
you know, with the, the fruit of the Spirit. So, uh, you know, joyfulness, and then um, to be, uh, I guess, calm would be like peace, you know, uh, faithful. But then I think there are things that it's like, the more that I find myself looking at this list, the more that I'm like, not just my marriage, but my ministry, my job, my personal relationship with God, like these are the qualities that I need to be cultivating. Did you say grave? Grave. So like uh, seriousness, like uh, not, um, not given, not overly given to coarse jesting and like, you know, just where everything is super light and, you know, everything's a punchline, everything's a mm-hmm. joke. But then right next to that, I also have joyful, mm-hmm. you know. So grave does not mean, like, stoic, you never show affection, you never... It's mature. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, like, uh, a child can't perceive the world, like, in a way that an adult does. And so they're a lot sillier Yeah. about things. And, and I mean, like... as a teacher, there are so many kids that they're just, like, I, I guess not giddy, but they're always, like, giggly. And it's like, okay, you're, you need to be working on over the next years, you know, cause you're still a child now. And I tell them that it's like, you're still a child. And I'm, I'm not trying to like rob you of, uh, you know, maybe some of the more carefree aspects of being a child, but over the next years, like that's going to be something that you do need to, um, kind of be working on getting more under control. So it's, uh, one thing that kind of reminds me. What, uh, what you just wrote. So Travis knows this. I don't know if you guys know this. So like a tradition in our family is once you turn 18, uh, it's like for the guys, once you turn 18, my dad, he picks 10 guys, 10 men who he thinks are godly men. They just beat the crap out of you. <laughs> and they yeah, write like... a handwritten message giving you advice. Oh. To, you know, give advice. Like one of them, my dad wrote like wisdom. My brother wrote about uh, faithfulness. Other uh, brother wrote about like self-control. It's like, oh, like these 10 guys write handwritten letters and give them to you. Uh, I still have them. And with my sisters, my mom chooses like 10 women, other women to write handwritten letters. Um, and everything he wrote on there actually is what the, um, like most of the things that the uh, 10 guys wrote. And I think what well, my image of like Godly Man is because of those 10 letters that they wrote. I, I think I really put into my I try to put into my life how I see it, so that's why I say like hard working and uh, sacrifice. I think sacrifice mainly is like a big part of me. It's like I think that's what makes like sacrifice is a huge I think big deal of it. Neat. Well, I I think uh, from a lot from your list and what I'm realizing, I think it has a lot to do with the state of mind that uh, men can find more easily, more readily available than a woman. Mm. Um, Like discerning, I think, the way that men, uh, the mind of a man works biologically helps with discernment. Whereas with a woman, it's not maybe as uh, readily available. If that's not too politically incorrect. Dude, you're going to get canceled for saying that. No, well, I, I don't know if you, uh, you want to wait on this until a little bit later in the conversation, but something I thought of that has been brought up before, I think, we're just in conversation with you, me and Travis, is um, like the portrayal in modern day society, like in shows, 
of husbands being idiots and yeah. the mother, the wife being... He's having to clean up all their messes. Yeah, and them being yeah. the smart one. Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a major He's one. The, it's like Homer Simpson, yeah. yeah. Or like Modern Family, or almost most sitcoms. Yeah, Everybody Loves that, Raymond, according to yeah, Jim. Like the, the dads are portrayed uh, as being kind of dumb or yeah. idiots, you know? And it's like, you used to have shows like Father Knows Best mm-hmm. or like the Brady Bunch. And it's like the father was a competent, mm-hmm. like hardworking leader in the home. And, uh, but yeah, we've kind of, kind of gotten away from that. And well, there, there's actually, this is, this is really interesting. And I've put this together before, but I really wasn't expecting I'm bringing it out, um, in tonight's conversation. So you have in a totally different culture, really in a totally different ideology. Um, you guys know what Taoism is, right? From like ancient China and you have the idea of the yin and the yang. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. So what are the yin and the yang? The good and the evil? No. So the it's ugly. not good and evil. What's that? The good, yeah. the bad, and the ugly? Yeah. <laughs> and the young. Well, it's, it's not. Is it light and dark? Peace, peace and so love. So it's, it's light and darkness. I mean, really obviously on its face because it's black and white. But it's, you guys don't, you, do you guys know what it, what the two forces are? The yin and the yang? Chaos and order. Chaos and order. Yeah. Right. So the, the yin is the white and that's the order and the yang is the black and that's the chaos and the idea is that the man is the yin he's the order and the woman is the yang the huh. chaos and so the woman even in that like very different society um the woman is considered more chaotic whereas the man is considered more orderly and if you think about it, so the way that this manifests through a ton of different cultures is like Okay, think of a myth or think of a story, even like, you know, a a mythological story with a woman who is incredibly powerful. Okay? You got any examples? Medusa. Okay, so you have Medusa. Wanda. Wanda? Okay, like WandaVision? (laughs) Oh my gosh. What? Well, no, seriously. Like, that's that's a a mythological type of... I was thinking of, like, Greek god. Okay. Goddesses and stuff. Um, All the Greek goddesses. Cleopatra. All of them all. Ares. Well, are you talking about, like historical or? Well, it can be it can be historical. Ares would be man, god of war, but then right. Greek goddess. Aphrodite. Who do you have? Aphrodite. Yeah. Aphrodite. Well, what about you have Hera, Athena? You have Athena. Okay. Uh, but it, no, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. Whenever okay, so we can come back to to Cleopatra because she's she's not mythological, but she's kind of yeah. become mythological, right? I mean, she's a Shakespearean um, character now, even. So when you have a woman who's incredibly powerful, she's almost always magic. And magic is uh, chaos, right? It's it's this it's this ability to kind of break the laws of nature and to you know make things float when gravity should just take them down, or make things you know reverse aging when they should just age according to time. And it's like it's the chaotic energy um, that that goes against the order of nature. And then the man is like if you think of a powerful man from a story, a lot of times he doesn't have to be magical, right? He's just a king, or he's a warrior, or he's a a poet or a um you know sage or something right so he doesn't have to be magical but with women they're almost always magical and then it's like okay you have the yin and the yang which one's good and which one's bad it's like that misses the point entirely right because you must have both to have too much chaos in your life is you know one i mean to have too much chaos like in the state for example that's anarchy it's unlivable to have too much order is tyranny it's also unlivable you need a balance in your own life to have too much uh to have too much chaos it's like you know there's no predictability like you have no idea what you're doing tonight or tomorrow or 
or anything you don't have any idea there's no stability but then at the same time it's like if your life is only structure and every like you work the same hours every day of the week and it's the same meals and the same it's like you don't want to live in either of those two like iterations of hell right you want to you want to kind of ride the wave that separates the yin and the yang you want one foot in each and so that's kind of like the the masculine and feminine energy and i think that that's something that i'm not trying to say like energy to say that i buy into this whole uh into the dao or whatever but i think that it's astonishing that cultures that are very removed from ancient hebrew or ancient greek or roman or whatever they wind up coming to a lot of the same conclusions kind of like what you were saying with this list from proverbs it's like it has a lot to do with the orderly, you know, more rationalistic, even to a fault. You know, men can, can be overly rationalistic, whereas women have that creative spontaneity and, and you know, that creative chaos that winds up um, shaking up the system in necessary ways. Mm. Well, you, you can even look at, like, cultures of, like, uh, you know, people <clears throat> of, of tribes and, uh, you know, it's most common to see men being the, the hunters you know, mm-hmm. yeah, hunters versus ones, gatherers. Yeah, yeah, and um, and so yeah, e- even in those contexts where it's like we we don't have, e- you know, these, e- you know, like in a society like America where where there's portrayals of uh, like we we're talking about with, of men in, like entertainment. It's like if you're just going back to the basis of what men and women can do best, usually it ends up falling, you know, down the same going down the same path. You're saying from society to society. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there are definitely truths that cross cultures, even um, distinct from the biological truths, you know, because like we were saying earlier, the nurturing aspect of women definitely seems just really obvious on its face why women would be primarily the nurturers and men would be primarily the the ones to go and hunt and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, organize a hunt around a mastodon and take it down or whatever. Um, But beyond that, it's like there's there are these neurological pathways that I think have been hardwired into us that have to do probably partially with the nurturing of the child and the organizing of the hunt that now affect the way that, you know, if a man and a woman were both an accountant, they they would have a different approach because of some of that hardwiring, yeah. you know? Well, I'm kind of going off topic now, but like when you keep seeing like women like with nurturing and stuff, I think that's one thing, like I would say, like, that's really big. I think women should be sexist, but, like, should today. Uh, just because, like, it was, like, four years ago, I read this article. I was, like, how much, like, a babe, like, like the chemistry between a mother and a child. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is unbelievable. It is weird. It is yeah. so weird. Like, yeah. I'm not comparing these guys, but they did, <clears> like, <throat> just to give an example, they didn't feed a baby gorilla for, like, months. And then they gave it to the mother, and the baby gorilla chose the Dude, mom. Would definitely be dead overall, maybe not mom, but like chose the mother Minutes. over getting food. Like it, it was in like just if I if someone well, told me probably some of that has to do with the fact that mom represents food. Yeah. Food, yeah. You know? And someone like ever I told my told my friends this. If someone ever pointed a gun to me and says like you have to choose which one is better, women and men. Or men yeah. I would choose women just because I think like it's just unbelievable like the chem like what an amazing thing that God created like the chemistry it's just so freaking real dude well and like, I, I think some so of this freaking real. Um, 
it's it's like maybe I should have brought this out earlier, but when God, um, going back to the idea of are the biological differences that important for the world that we live today? It's like okay, when when God made women to be more nurturing, and he like God is dealing with the with the biology of the female, and he's creating a, a being that's going to be the more ideal nurturer. It's not just he takes a man and like gives it memory glands so that it can feed the child. There's also neurological pathways. There's also a bond between mother and child that father and child. I just don't. the The mother births the child. the The child hears everything that the mother says for the time that it's being formed in the womb. You know, um, it is it is biologically knit to the mom in a way that's incredibly distinct from the way that it's knit to the dad. And that, again, that doesn't mean that men don't also have a call to be uh, nurturing and to be caring and to, to, you know, hold their babies and do all those sorts of things. But there is a bond. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying it like, you know, in a Hallmark movie type of way. There's a deep psychological and physiological bond um, that exists between the baby and the mom because the first time the dad interacted with the baby it was already nine months old Mm -hmm. you know and the mom was the sole interactor with that baby Mm -hmm. during those nine months Mm -hmm. so i'm i i would maybe go back on some of what i had said earlier and say because god even designed the female brain differently specifically to be the more ideal nurturer i think that we should stick with that you know, which is not to say that a woman can't have a job, that they can't, you know, that the man can't, uh, you know, stay home with the baby at times. But I do think that we should be striving for that, uh, for the original design in that sense. So, yeah, that's the, uh, this is when I got really into more of a deeper thought mm-hmm. with it all was because um, there is this original design. I think that's a great way of putting it that obviously still exists. And we're in this weird place of being in the already, not yet, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, but then you have to add to that, that society, the world. I mean, I, I, very few places now, you don't see how technology and just all of what history, what has happened has, has not taken effect, right? Except for those remote islands or places that nobody really reaches. And so when you add that there, it's kind of like you have several things to think about. One is like, okay, God had this original design, but yet he has this newer design that is going to finally manifest itself and it's going to be different. It's going to overrule yeah. the original. Right? So so what do we look for there when answering this question? But then it's also like, okay, when I look at how society is and the culture in the world at large, it's like we're moving away from the original design. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And I think this hits on like so many different topics because the Bible was written at a time where the old design was pretty much all there was. In full effect. In full effect. And why we find tension now, like even when we were talking last week, um, where I mean, I I honestly just have both feet on, on the two sides that we were discussing when it comes to what to do, you know wait for the 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 father's approval or whatever or just you know go full throttle on the dating and you decide and it's like um either 
what we look at now, that's the trajectory we're going to be on till the end of time. Or, and I'm going to be by the end of time, obviously, I mean, there's going to be this event mm. with Christ's return, right? The end okay. of history. Yeah. Or, uh, what we see is going to eventually collapse on itself, and we are going to return back to a world where the old design is, is at full force. Oh, man, isn't that like... I know it's it might be kind of psychopathic, but <laughs> isn't that just an interesting thought exercise? I mean, I feel like for my whole, maybe not my whole life, but definitely from the time I was in middle school, maybe even before, it's like if if it went down, yeah, like if the whole civilization thing went down, uh, like what would whatever emerged, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when when the electric grid is just offline. You know, whether it's some kind of solar flare that just totally fries everything that we've ever made electronically or whether it's nuclear war or whatever it is. And I'm not saying that any of that stuff is going to happen, but I have always been fascinated with that. And that is definitely a situation wherein the differences between men and women would become starkly manifest. Yeah. Afresh. So, and it, right. Yeah, it would be stark for us, for, for everybody in the Bible times, like, yeah, what did you... Thing. Yeah, we already knew all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. But it would be for us, and that's that's kind of like they all knew how to start fires. And yeah, they're like, oh yeah, with a lighter. <laughs> right. That's that's what I am in conflict with right now because I don't know if what I am a part of, like since birth, obviously this this way of living is really gonna be sustainable, and this is the trajectory till the end of time, or there's going to be an eventual like collapse. Is that going to be in my lifetime? And if it's in my lifetime. I do not want to buy into this thing because it's only going to hurt me more than it's going to help. Mm. Yeah, I, like I'm the so... more you get invested in like GameStop and, and, and like Bitcoin and stuff. And it's like, all right, cool. We're back to like how many chickens for a pig? You know, what, how, how good is the soil where yeah. you live? You know, yeah. and like things that we don't even think about. You know, it's just... Which I got to admit, it does definitely seem like a far cry from the realm of possibility yeah. that we would go back that far. But um, the idea of me outliving the Republic does not seem far-fetched anymore. Um, and I would say that that's a change that's happened over the last, uh, like, since college, since I got out of college. I feel like when I graduated college, I would have been like, oh, yeah, no, of course, like, America is going to be here way after I'm gone. And I I've still, if I had to choose the over-under, I would still say America will probably outlive me, but I'm far less certain of that now than I was when I graduated college. And I don't think that has to do with how naive I was, even though I really was. Um, I think it has to do with the fact that so much has changed. Oh, yeah. and, we're, and none of the mechanisms of change have been diminished. They've all just gotten more and more pronounced, like social media and bifurcated news and all that kind of mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. so that brings up a question um so you th- think uh much less of america lasting um outlasting you are you thinking it of it as in terms of america as a whole or Mer- america's tradition like the idea of oh american culture i think is going to persist um just because even you know when when rome fell People still spoke Latin for a good long time, and they still, uh, you know, like there there was a lot of carryover from uh, the Latin, the Roman culture. So I think American culture will persist for a long time. But I'm just saying the death of the Republic. 
you know, like either that it turns into an empire, like we, you know, someone gets a hold of this thing and just does a Julius Caesar on it, crosses or the Palpatine. Rubicon, and what's that? Palpatine. Palpatine, I, I yeah, the better Senate. example. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, just declares that they are the Senate. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you can talk about Palpatine, but what's great about Julius Caesar is it shows us, oh, like, this actually happens. This isn't oh, just, yeah. this isn't just like some story movie or, yeah. or myth or whatever. It's like, this happens, and it's not that that's the only time that that's happened. No. You know, and especially if you study, like, China's history of, you have the unified kingdom, and then it just splinters and shatters and everything, and then somebody unifies it again, and then splits up again, and, and you know, just over and over. And, you know, we've been kind of experimenting in America, at least for the first, you know, hundred years or so that we were a country with the idea that we could be both. We could be both a pluribus and an unum, you know, um, we could be a united entity and we could also be a, a plurality of entities. And, uh, it seems like that's kind of going the way of the dodo bird. And it's like, okay, if we get, it's almost like the yin and the yang again. It's like, if we obsess with just pressing hard toward unity, 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 like, you know, top-down um, government, well, then, you know, it's it's only a matter of time before it crystallizes and shatters. I just had another thought. Uh, in form of American government, what if by, not, not saying the next pre presidency, but, like, a few candidates along the line... Trump's so, second presidency? Someone <laughs> from um, the Native American line takes the helm as a candidate. What if we go back to our roots and have what if someone elects a Native American as either a Democrat or Republican? Oh, I mean, ethnically, I think that that's, you know, a possibility, but I don't think that there's a, a real shot at, like, us going to mm -hmm. Comanche yeah. or Algonquit, um, you know, methods of governance between, right. you know, in, in any of the foreseeable future. But the thing is, is that, you know, if it shatters, what you go back to is the local tribe. You know, yeah. like it's going to be me and my my pretty close neighbors versus, you know, whoever lives in the in the housing development just to the west of us. Well, it's related. It's related to it. Um, passivism. Um, so some people believe that the uh, idea of being a pacifist and this is not like a Christian pacifist, I wouldn't say is someone who just does nothing, mm. but who's like not going to be violent, like lethally or, or anything like that, that they think that that is a effeminate quality or effeminate feminine quality. Mm -hmm. um, and that that's just an effeminate way of being rather than masculine, where men, some people would say that when defining biblical manhood, that men are called to use violence at certain times fight and, right kill uh, kill and and they would use that uh, a lot of times to, to torture uh, no, <laughs> take to justify the idea of uh, carrying in a, in a church to protect the congregation mm. and and then obviously it came to, to households protecting your family mm -hmm. so i thought like this was related mm -hmm. uh to the discussion at hand so i don't know what uh yeah, I know. I know do? someone, and I didn't say anything because I'm a, I'm a coward. But um, this guy was telling me about how at his church, because there there have been like church shootings, you know, and at his church they have like a, 
a tactical response team. And uh, this isn't my church, by the way, but I know what you're talking about. Um, but uh, yeah, they have a tactical response team and it's like every second Tuesday of the month they get together and like run scenarios. And I'm like, I kind of feel what? like, I kind of feel like this is the grown up version of paintball in a way, <laughs> yeah, right. because it's like, oh yeah. And then they, if they enter through the West, you know, entrance, then, you know, you'll have to go to this place and take them from this angle and everything. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like there's definitely a type of, I don't even want to call it masculinity, but machismo that's like obsessed with the ability to uh, combat and do harm to those who would mean to do harm to you. And um, I, I think I might have actually talked about this on a previous episode, but for me, that's why specifically I, um, you know, among maybe some other reasons, but that's why specifically when, when choosing something to develop about myself I went into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is because I feel like it's definitely the most non-violent of all of the things that you could consider martial arts because you know we've talked about okay if if somebody broke into your home would you shoot them you know would you kill them and uh you know we can we can hit that next but it's like okay if someone broke into your home and you had a you had the ability to throw a net over them and to catch them and then you know you call the police and the police come and they um you know, arrest the person, like, would you do that? And I think that that's totally within the realm of, um, you know, reason. And I, that's what I see jujitsu as being, is like the ability to apprehend. And you don't have to cause any harm if you don't want to. You know, you can literally just kind of tie someone up and, you know, wait, uh, you know, maybe, maybe incapacitate them for the moment and then be able to get authorities in that can kind of deal with it from a legal perspective. And uh, also when it comes to, you know, there's... Have you heard Gandhi's whole thing about like the difference between pacifism and nonviolent resistance? Because his thing was, you know, because uh, he was he was pushing back against the British Empire and their occupation of uh, India, and he said like pacifism is when they tell you to, you know, get out of a certain area, you get out of that area, you know, you just do whatever it takes to pacify them. But nonviolent resistance is like when they tell you to evacuate an area you call a bunch of other people who are also committed to nonviolent resistance and who are a part of your cause and you specifically go to that area and you lay down and you like you let them arrest you you know it's like i'm going to specifically go to this area because i i feel like i have a right to be here but i will not resist like when you when you come to apprehend me to to put me you know in handcuffs or to move me out of the way whatever it is like i will absolutely submit to you and let you do whatever you want um i'll go on a hunger strike and, you know, I'll try to call attention to this and I won't eat until I see, you know, justice being done. And it actually worked, you know, like India is not a British Commonwealth anymore. And a lot, a ton of that has to do um, with the efforts of Gandhi, you know, to say nothing of a lot of the other things that, you know, you could say about him and his life and his philosophy. Like, I, I And I just think that that's, um, that's something that's way more in alignment with the life of Christ and of Christianity is not like, oh, you know, they don't want me to do this thing, so I won't do it. But it's like, no, I, I will go in there and I'll, I'll tear up the temple and I'll chew them out to their faces in front of people. But when they come to arrest me and to apprehend <clears throat> me and to even crucify me, like I will become obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of my take on 
pacifism versus nonviolent resistance. Right. Yeah. Which I, I think most people are really, they're talking about the nonviolent resistance. I feel like most people are really talking about pacifism. They're not talking about um, if the government tells you not to do it, you do it. Uh, I don't want to use the word defiantly, but like you do it on purpose and you, you know, try to call it a lot of attention to the fact that you're doing it. But then when they show up to put the punishment on you that they said that they would do, you just submit to the punishment. I think most people really are talking about just pacifism. Like, well, they don't want me to do it. I just won't do it. You know, or you have people on the other side that they go, well, they, you know, they have the don't tread on me flags. And it's like, well, screw you. You're, um, you know, going against the Constitution and and you got to, you know, get out of my face and. And they, they'll fight back, you know, and if the government comes for my guns and, you know, I'll have to pry them for my cold, dead hands, whatever. It's like you have this machismo on one side, and then I think you do have this very, um, like, like pansy type of attitude of like, oh, you know, I don't want to cause any problems, so yeah, I'll just do whatever you say. And oh, I don't see Christ being either of those. Yeah, appeasement. Yeah, yeah, like uh, the, the Chamberlain, the Wilt Chamberlain, you know, oh, Neville Chamberlain. <laughs> I know, I'm a history teacher. Uh... Yeah, with, with Hitler. It's like, well, he wants the Sudetenland. Like, let's just give him the Sudetenland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, what I was going to say is um, a lot of Christian pacifists I see are trying the nonviolent route, you know, like... Like nonviolent resistance, specifically. Yeah, like okay. uh, historical groups like... Um, okay, historical. Yeah. Because that's something I thought... I thought you were talking about movements today. And I'm like, no. I'm not aware of really any large groups that are like this. No, 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 I'm not talking about... There probably are some. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, like, um, I think it was the Bruder House. Mm. Bruder House. Uh, And, and, you know, during the times of Nazi Germany, they they Mm -hmm. would not vote Mm -hmm. for certain... uh, Even though they were forced to, like Mm -hmm. certain policies. Mm -hmm. And they would not... Like, they wouldn't just cooperate. And they were eventually shipped out of germany yeah. and and sent elsewhere so i'm talking about that kind of stuff but but i think um a lot of people on the other side of the machismo side mm-hmm. uh when they hear like nonviolence or things like that they automatically go to this pacifism yeah which is like they assume you have low testosterone and you're weak anyway so you can't yeah. do anything which i think is a reason i think that's an argument for strength like i think that's a reason why men really should pursue strength and even the capacity to uh, defend themselves is so that your sacrifice actually means something when you choose to let the state do something to you. The example I use with my students is like if if you have like this weak little guy who, who goes into a bar and like, you know, somebody gets in his face and starts making fun of him and, and uh, you know, threatens him and whatever. And the guy is just like, well, whatever, you know, I, I don't want to fight. Uh, you look at that guy and you go, oh, well, he's weak, right? But if Mike Tyson went to that bar... And there's a guy who's like drunk and, and uh, you know, just off his rocker and starts chewing him out and threatening him. And Mike Tyson is like, I'm not going to fight you. And he makes a decision. I Even if this guy throws a punch at me, like I'm committed to not uh, harming this guy. Like Mike Tyson's sacrifice means something because he put a lot of time into cultivating um, the type of strength that could do something about it. And now he's actually laying something down in the decision to not do it. It better exemplifies restraint. Exactly. Yeah. I Whereas the, the other guy, it's like, well, you know, big deal. You don't really have a choice anyway. Yeah. So, and he's like, oh, no, I was restraining, like, all those hours that I really wanted to work out and, like, you yeah. know, hit a punching bag, but I just decided to, like, lay on the couch and do whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David's giving us a thumbs up. But yeah. 
Um, so I, I mean, so how would you guys feel? Is that part of being a man? Is because we had talked about protecting. What do you mean as far as protecting and being a man? As far as protecting um, your house. I, I mean, like again, I, I say I think it's protecting. It's like I don't really. My opinion is I don't give a crap about my belongings as long as like I'm protecting my family. Like again, like I said this earlier, like if a robber came in and I was in the room with my wife, I'm like, dude, like just don't come in this room. Like I'll tell, like I I have a gun, like I have a gun. You can take whatever you want, but you don't. I'm, I I like again. I will not take the risk of someone getting injured. I'm like just don't come in the room. Would you actually have a gun? Or are you just saying you have a gun? I would. I would own a gun. Okay, and then would you use it? Oh my gosh. He's like, um, I'll huff if, if, he, if he no, if he if he if he came out, use it. I I I just want like why take the risk? I'm saying like that's just too risk. I'm not willing to take. If he chose to come in the room, then yeah. I I mean I wouldn't really want to try to kill him, but like yeah, I can't. I don't think man that would haunt me forever. I think. Okay, is that a David thing or is that a man thing? Or is that I a think, Bible thing? That's what I, like, well, it's, yeah, a, yeah, the biblical. I, like, is that what you would consider biblical manhood? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I'm not. I'm not seeking violence. I'm just. I'm protecting my family. I think, and he's if he he knows that I have a gun, or wants to believe that I have a gun. I think it's his choice if he wants to. But right now I'm. It's like I'm he put, has forfeited his life. Like he yeah. made the choice. To I like these That's things, what you're saying. Yeah, and he's it's like, if some people might say like, oh, like, but it's your belongings. You're just letting some guy take all your stuff. I'm like, yeah. That's fine. Like it's it's yeah. stuff. It's just I can buy that stuff. It's and just I have stuff, a hard time but... thinking like, oh man, that guy's gonna take my TV. I really like my TV. I'm gonna murder. I'm not yeah. murder. Okay, it's technically not murder. I'm gonna kill that man. Yeah. I'm gonna end his entire existence, his entire life. Like that man who is someone's child. Like I'm just gonna wipe him off of the the face of the planet because I really like that yeah. TV. Or like you know, I've had that. You know, I, I gave that necklace to my wife for our 10th anniversary and no way I'm letting him get it. So I'm going to kill him. Yeah. I have I I do have a hard time with, you know, that type of decision. I, I would definitely let someone take whatever physical belongings yeah, I, yeah. they would want to take. And I, I, I don't know, maybe we're all on the same page when it comes to that. But then what, when, what about when it comes to the room? Well, that's yeah. what I was going to ask about. What does the Bible say about self-defense, like defending family? And... Mm. Ooh, uh-oh. Yeah, oh dear, we're heading into dangerous territory here. Well, no, it's just that uh, depending on who you ask is 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 uh, the answer because, right? Like in Deuteronomy, I think it's Deuteronomy. You do have a passage where it talks about. Um, it's kind of uh, I don't want to say it's weird, but it's 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 just like so. It says that if a thief comes during the day, you're not like into your house. You're not allowed to strike him down. But if it comes at night, you are. And, you know, you hear explanations as to why. Uh, but so if, if you ask that question, what does the Bible say? Someone will go to Deuteronomy and say, well, it says this. And usually the people who, who do that, I I believe they usually happen to be also theonomists. Like, theonomists are usually the ones Doug who are... Wilson, yeah, they're usually the ones that are, like, pro-self-defense and all that stuff. Mm. Um, theonomist meaning? Someone who believes... God's law, and they would see God's law 
really tied to the Mosaic Law. Maybe not everything, but a lot of it still remaining that it should be implemented in your implemented. City. But I was gonna say either personally or oh, governmentally. Yeah. Okay. Um, that that would be a feelings, but mm-hmm. I don't go to the to the Mosaic Law to to find out the answer to that question. I go to uh, you know apostolic writings and what Jesus said and and try to go from there. Which would be what? Uh oh. I think his, his what Jesus teaches, and I think what's apostolic is that man takes your coat. Yeah, but that's the thing. So, like, when you talk about family, it's like I think the overall idea in Christianity is um, I think Christianity truly is a pro-life religion. We love life. And we want to breathe life and and even protect it, but never by going opposite of life. You know what I mean? Right. It doesn't make sense to kill in order to protect life. But it does make sense to sacrifice Mm. to ensure life is kept. And you say like, oh, my women, or my women, my, (laughs) sorry, my my wife and, and, and children. And it's like, Obviously, it, it, you know, you can break this down in so many ways, but hopefully, you know, you've been trying to prepare them to come before God. And I think you should have this mentality that nothing that a man or woman, right, nothing that a human being can take away from you cannot be, uh, you know, sustained at the end of the day by, by God himself. So, mm-hmm. like, if, okay, they killed my wife, fine, but my wife is secure in God. He, she's not really dead. My children, if I believe they were saved, same thing. So there's there's nothing really lost in even losing our life here. Um, whereas that's why that's why I really don't get this whole mentality because people will want to protect their husband or protect their wives. Well, the, it, maybe the wife is trying to protect the husband because she's seven feet tall. That's right. No, <laughs> seven foot tall bodybuilder, uh, WNBA black belt in jiu jitsu. Yeah, with a gun. Dangerous woman. With a mustache. Scary. <laughs> Um, but you know, it's like, like I get it. Like it's natural for us to want to do that, but that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, but we're, we're part of another world. That's stuff of the old world. And that's like what we're trying to prepare ourselves is for the new world. If you really believe in a life after death, if you really believe your life is secure and that salvation awaits you. It's like this moment of the guy pointing the gun at me or threatening me becomes so small compared to that that's kind of the point i try to get across to people when i mistakenly had an argument with people online as well about this exact topic where i said well i i'd preferably not have a gun to try to defend my family because even though the gun would be more uh would probably be the best bet as far as protecting your family especially if the guy uh, you know like somebody came in to rob me and he had a gun um, but I, I was making the argument like, and I am also thinking from that perspective that like my family, like we're all believers. And so it's like, even if we do lose our lives, it is, it is gain ultimately. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm not trying to defend them, but I was making the point like, I'd rather either just try to restrain the guy, like physically, like with myself or like use a bat and just like, um, cause him to not be able to keep coming at us kind of thing, but not try to kill this guy and they were they were like if you could wing him like if you could if you could hit him in the foot 
Like if you were a crack shot and you could hit him in the foot and he's in your house, would you do it? Yeah. Okay. Well, like, like I, I, I would not want to ever put myself in a situation where I would be purposely trying to kill someone. Yeah. Especially yeah. since if they're trying to rob me, there's a good chance they're not a believer and I would want the chance. <laughs> it's a good chance. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I mean, unless they were somehow desperate and they like really needed, you know, I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's. And at some point I, I really find that. Like it's hard to believe them. They would be a threat to your life, mm. right? Right, right. But you know? so, so, so you just got to ask them if they're a Christian. <laughs> well, see, so so my Christian, thing, yeah. Okay, we're going to heaven anyways. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I shall not see you. Dang it. Say hello to Jesus. But that's the whole thing that people got onto me for online is that I was like, I would do my hardest to not kill them, and they're like, y- your purpose in that situation is to protect your family. You shouldn't be worrying about the person that is intruding. And my thought is, if in this this scenario we're all believers on my fam- in my family, then it's like my concern is actually most for not just the defense of my family, but the guy for might burn forever. Right, yeah. the salvation of that person who I don't want to be the one to end this person's life. I yeah. would rather be the one to restrain them. They end up in jail, and then I would witness to them. Mm. You know, right. and it's yeah, like, I, look, I think. You, sorry, I was just gonna say, like, you broke in. But I did my darndest to make sure you would not end up dead. I wanted you to end up, I'd rather you end up here in jail to one, you know, think about what you did and why you did it. And also for me to show you love in the sense that I I never wanted to hurt you. And for this to happen, I, I actually love you, you know, regardless of what you were attempting to do or did do. And I, I want you to know the Lord like I do. You know, yeah. I I would want that scenario more than anything. And I was getting so much flack. Yeah. I think that's also like a really American thing about like, like we're a country that has our inception in the idea of like, we thought that the T-tax was unfair and you know, there's a lot of other things. It's not like it was just the T-tax, but like we, we didn't like those who were in authority over us. Well, you know, let's, let's pick up our guns, let's start killing people and then we'll be our own country. So it's really hard for me to expect an American to, um, you know, especially someone who identifies super strongly as an American um, to kind of see it from that perspective. But I do think that there is wisdom there. And I think that a lot of times people boil down the situation to either pacifism or you kill him. Right. And there are a lot of other options in between that are actually, in a lot of cases, going to be easier than killing that person. Um, and uh, especially, like, you're in your house. You know your house. Right. You know the floor plan of your house, and it's mm-hmm. dark. Mm-hmm. And this guy doesn't know the floor plan of your house. Um so there, there are a lot of things that go into that. I, I do think, um, bless you, and like historically that's something that we, we see Christians laying down their lives. We see Christians forgiving, pardoning those who, who did wrong against them. You know, we see the words of Christ where it's like, you know, do good to those that despitefully use you, you know. So um, like with, with all that, I, I think there really is a call to love, to forgiveness, and this idea of vengeance. Uh, I, I would probably take a different approach to getting there um, about like, well, if my kids die, it's gain for them, you know, and, and if, I think that the core of what you're saying there is true, but especially, well, I guess I wouldn't have a conversation in, in an online comment section mm-hmm. with anyone anyway. Right. Um, well, I, but, and I never said that. I ne- I was never like, oh, well, it's, you know, it's fine yeah, if they come and, and kill I'm, everybody. Sorry, it was I'm never that. I'm not trying that. to straw man you like that. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of legitimacy in what you're saying. And, you know, that's, that's a conversation that Nicole and I have had at times. 
And it's like, look, I'll be the one to go out there, even though she's taller, you know. <laughs> uh, I'll still be the one to go, to go out there. And, uh, you know, even even with a gun, you know, to go out there. But my aim is not to, like, double tap this guy in the skull and, you know, send him to hell. It's like that. Pe- people talk really cavalierly like mm-hmm. that. They're like, well, I sent him to hell. It's like, okay, if he goes to hell, he goes under the weight of his own sin. Like, we, right. all, we all get that. It's not like you're responsible for him going to hell. But, like, you had an opportunity to show grace, forgiveness, mercy, compassion. Yeah. Like, uh, who is it that said you're never more like Jesus than when you're forgiving someone? And it's like, that's just... Gandhi. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. He's the one who said, like, I like your uh, Kit Kats, but I don't like your... Never mind. You know the whole thing about, like, I like your Jesus, but I don't like your Christians oh, or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which uh, is such a stupid quote to me. Yeah. But anyway, David, you had a uh, thing? I mean, yeah. Uh, well, let's look at it realistically. Like, let's say, like, in my Ooh. scenario, like, I'm in my room. I fall on the wall. If it's an irregular thief, I don't think he's going to come in into my room. I think he's just gonna grab his grab the stuff. Okay. It's like it's okay. free stuff. This guy's not coming out, he's saying I can grab my own. Two, All this another question would be like, why the heck are you robbing me? <laughs> <laughs> what do I you obviously I'm so broke. <laughs> I'm like if you find any change, please leave it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um yeah you know, I agree with Sam. I I don't want I would never want to kill somebody. I know the it would be man, it would be on my shoulders for a long time, just um, just leaving that forever, sending someone to hell. And I hope that the wife I would have wouldn't ex- see me less of a man of me not going out there and trying to stop him, you know, or just like, I like again, I I just don't see the point of risking it. Just want and there, that's definitely him. a conversation you'd have. Yeah, I feel like you you would have that conversation before you get married. But it, I mean, you know, probably but within the first year of your marriage, you're like, so what would happen if somebody right. came to the door? But yeah, I I would not. I would have a gun, and just because like, I I would honestly try. I almost like wanted to. I I suck at shooting, but <laughs> dude, we gotta all go to a range. Please, yeah. I, that'd be fun. I got my that shotgun. Be fun. That I got my revolver. I got my bow. And I'll get cigars. <laughs> that would be fun. You do you want it? I have a. What was it? You had said earlier the whole thing about, or no, this was years ago. Like if a guy, if I was robbing someone's house, and I heard and somebody came out with a shotgun, that'd be scary. But if a guy came out with a bow, oh yeah, yeah, I would be like, I just turn tail and run that'd be pretty like, terrifying know? yeah because if he had like, a bow i get it the brought... shotgun the shotgun's more deadly but like he chose to he come chose out of a bow that means he's good with, with that bow thing. and arrow yeah <laughs> and you just like you don't really hear yes it's also just like it yeah. would be like just a gust of wind and you do that yeah oh, oh. and you could do that for your it would hurt it would hurt to get <laughs> shot with a bow and arrow hey eric remember that time you almost killed me with my own bow and arrow oh yeah Really the oh, those are it was times. the arrow. That was like what the day before Christmas. That was Christmas. It was Christmas Day. Yes, because and I imagine remember the letter you would have had to write to my no, parents. No, because <laughs> like after that happened, and I remember at Denny's, I was like, that would have ruined Christmas for the rest of my <laughs> for, because the rest, the rest of, the rest life, of yeah. my life that I get to enjoy. If <laughs> yeah. I had killed Travis, that'd really be a bummer like, it for me. Freaked me out because <laughs> I remember pulling back and shooting it, and I'm looking where I'm aiming, and I'm like. Well, that's why I was behind the tree. Yeah. And well, very was... far out of the way, but just still hit the tree. Yeah. Yes. So. It's just like, I didn't see it. And I'm like, where did he go? And then someone mentioned it went there. But just because the back of it that holds onto the string 
broke off. The knock. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So that made me like. Yeah. I was like, uh, uh, my whole life would have been ruined right now. But but see, you, <laughs> I just your imagine, whole life. I would have just imagined how self-centered. I'm can not saying like your life's not ruined. You're dead, and you're going. Uh, you know, and you got a cool story to tell everybody. But yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> <They'd> have... <laughs> yeah, my friend. You'll never. The... You'll never <laughs> guess how I got here. <laughs> But, like, imagine I'm seeing an arrow through his head, and I'm like... It'd be awful, yeah. Yes! But you're bringing up a great point oh, sorry. Um, that we... I mean, we all of us were, uh, were discussing just now, where it's like, in, in a situation where someone might break in and, and have lethal intent, the the your goal should still be preservation of life, but not the, just the life of your family, life, the, the preservation of all life. And, and like, you're talking about a situation where it would be accident, an accidental death. Like, you could yeah. have possibly killed Travis. We actually know someone who did accidentally kill yeah. a homeless man oh. when he was crossing the street. Oh, and yeah, how that just affected them yeah, mentally. Yeah. And that was an accident. Imagine killing someone on purpose, even if they were, it was in self-defense. You're now living the rest of your life knowing that you purposefully well, killed someone. I do feel, though, that there are a lot of people that they would really be able to shrug it off in the in the course of a few months. They'd be able to kind of just well say, well, you know, if you didn't want to get shot, then, you know, you shouldn't have broken into but my I, house. I, I think they're they're putting on kind of a ruse because, like... Look I, at, I absolutely yeah. think there are people who, after a few months, it just wouldn't bother them ever again. You don't think so? I don't okay. think that that's a good thing. Yeah. But I'm saying, yeah, they're, like, they're, there are people who are just... They're yeah. that... They're that deep into that ideology. I, I there, there are people so. like that. But I was going to say, like, look at how many cops have to go through counseling. And they're... Right. And look how many don't. What do you think? I mean, I'm sure... I think there is mandatory counseling. But, yeah. I mean, there are people that are like, yeah, you know, I discharged my weapon. I did what I had to do. You know, I was in the yeah. line of fire. I was in the line of duty. So, uh, I mean... You know, I'm good. I don't need any counseling. There, there are people... And there are people that, like, they actually do need counsel and they just kind of put up a front. But right. I don't think that that's all of them. No, no, it's not. It's not. And I, uh, I think that's tragic. Yes. Like for someone to be that callous towards yes. it. I mean, look at. Um, well, well, I was going to say is like I saw a video of like vets talking about when they killed somebody. Like veterinarians? Veterinarians. <laughs> no, uh, like uh, war vets. And uh, there were. war dogs. War there were some. Yeah. <laughs> there was at least, I remember one. Oh, guy, veterans. Yeah, veterans. <laughs> uh, that he, he was like cold about it. He's like, I had to do what I had to do, you know, screw him, basically. Yeah. But in harsher language. Yeah. But there are a lot of them that you could see it had like a negative effect. Yeah. So, I'm gonna look at the American Sniper guy. Like every death he killed, he just he couldn't do it. He just kept seeing it, mm-hmm. seeing it, seeing it. Then, <laughs> but I, at, at the end, I, I would honestly try not like spare his life and even even like off a bed, like my child died. Ah, uh, man, I I don't think I still could send that guy like. I, I just me me causing someone to die. I don't, I think I, I don't think I could take it. No. I don't think my heart. Yeah, you, you know one of the most impact- Christian or not Christian, like well, right, right. <laughs> I'm going to assume he's not killing Christian. killing Christians. Um, no, but uh, one happened. one of the most impactful things for me that started to change my mind about all this was actually something that Eric showed me, which was a video of oh my gosh that yeah where this guy. <laughs> That it was it was in court and they let uh, this guy was a was a murderer and serial he had killed killer. yeah he was a serial killer he I killed, think I know what you're talking about yeah, yeah and so they let the families of every person he had killed come in and say whatever they wanted to him and then a, a they said terrible like yeah monster I hope you burn I hope it hurts all these kind of yeah and he was un like he he Unpaid. just stayed like stone faced the yeah. whole time 
And then there was a Christian, I think it was a Christian guy, right? Who looked like Santa Claus. Yeah, he looked like okay, Santa Claus. Okay, yeah, I've seen this video too. Yeah, and he came in and told him that he forgave him. He said that he forgave him. And, and, um... <laughs> no, but, like, he said, like, God, God tells me to forgive you, and I just want to know that you, that I forgive you. The guy broke down. And, and started crying. Started crying. And it's like, it makes sense, like, all you're being told and all you think about yourself is, I'm a monster. I'm a monster. But then someone shows you some kind of, like... Love. Yeah, and I, and the way they talked about it was like humanity, which is like no, this isn't like this is beyond humanity. Yeah. This yeah. is divinity. This is, yeah, yeah. But what I would say is, it reminded him that he was a human, and that hum, yeah. humanity mm-hmm. is kind of tied to divinity. You know yeah. What I mean? Wasn't there another situation? Uh, I mean, not quite similar, but where there was a a, a young white kid who went to a, a black church and they welcomed him in, and but he was there to shoot a you know to kill people and so he shot up the church killed a whole bunch of people and yeah. then yeah I know what you're about and that. then they forgave him yeah. a bunch of the families from that church cool. that's just so crazy yeah. but that's the i think well yeah this lost north carolina like, yeah. and what's yeah maybe, I mean, maybe what's that guy's name nate saint like the guy oh died, yeah 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 he died in the white the wives, yeah came over and forgave them well, oh, that story, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yeah. They, was so it Elizabeth they, Warren? Was, huh? was it Elizabeth? Warren? I, th- I think so. I think Warren is one of the was, one of the wives. Yeah, and one of the guys. Elizabeth like, Warren's a senator, but or a congressman. No, was it? Is or that em- Emily Saint? I don't know. I thought anyway. it was something Warren. Maybe I'm wrong. It was crazy. It's like, well, I think in the, uh, the book, it's like one guy bought a gun. And it was not fired once. Yeah. It was not loaded once. It was not shot once. Yeah. Does anybody was... want to kind of recap that story? Or uh, I mean, I could. Oh, yeah. you can do it. Well, it's in South America. That's all I know. Yeah. I don't remember exactly the country. And they're in trying to Peru, I believe, or Ecuador. Ecuador. Right. It's yeah. in Ecuador. So they're, they're four guys. Four guys, but they also brought their wives. Yeah. And the wives didn't go with them. No, no, well, they they were down during... there in South America, yeah, but they yeah. didn't yeah. fly. Yeah, yeah they, they flew go... into this remote area where there was a tribe. And they're trying to reach. Uh, reach out to them and, and evangelize them um, and I don't know exactly why they were hostile I think mm-hmm. it might have been also with like interaction with locals because yeah. they didn't like them and uh, so anyways from what I remember they're talking about a story they were kind of up in this tower and they saw them crossing the river and they only wanted the rifle there to inti- like intimidate just in case you know yeah. like send them away but it didn't work and they they all got like speared yeah. to death and um their bodies were found and the the wives continued to work yeah oh my god so we're talking about manhood and woman and just look yeah. how beautiful this is so wives continued the work and they went out to reach out to them and forgave them and yeah. the people yes. like so many in the tribe went, wound up coming to christ because they saw that example of, of forgiveness yes. but not just that they kept their children there with them too right yeah and and uh, i remember one of the kids talking about how one of the men who killed my dad became a father figure to me in this tribe. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And it's just like, oh, that's so beautiful. Man. And that's how, yeah, and that's how they, they were just this family. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, it's like, that is so much more, I mean, Sam used the perfect word, like, it's so much more beautiful than the idea of, like, well, they got mine, and or they got theirs, and now I'm getting mine. And, yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to take out my my revenge on them, and I'm going to, and it's like, dude, how how short-sighted yeah. is, is that type of thing when, when Christ calls us to to love and forgiveness and to to just like what's the passage in um is it like first corinthians where paul goes you know people are taking you to court and everything and you're bickering it's like just let yourself be wronged dude just let yourself be sued and be taken advantage of and lose some money it's money you know Mm -hmm. it's like you're gonna 
you're going to cause this huge schism in the church and fight and gripe and complain and bicker. And it's like, there's a kingdom that's so much larger and more important than this that like you, you're willing to sacrifice because like, oh, that guy, uh, you know, owes me a day's wages. Right. It's like, just let it go, man. And and this this is where it gets me. uh, Go ahead. Were you going to connect that to Frozen? What? (laughs) (laughs) No, I was going to say it was... um, Elliot. Was it Elizabeth oh, Elliot? Elliot? Yeah, yeah Elliot. okay. But it was Nate Saint and, and Jim also, Elliot. Yeah, Jim yeah. Elliot. Yeah. And what, so, because oh, Elizabeth sorry. was right. It seems so. Yeah, it just said Warren. Warren. Thought thought you were One thing. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Go I had a thought. I thought, yeah. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. So, uh, David? <laughs> um, and what was I saying? Oh, oh man, oh, no. and you made such a big deal. I know. What was I saying? You said something about Frozen. No, before that. <laughs> before that. Uh, letting things go when you're sued, when you're wronged. Oh. Um, no. <laughs> Dang it. Being sued. This is so embarrassing for you. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, because let's play Rewind. Hang on. Okay. To be wronged, uh, the short-sighted view, this world versus the reali- the deeper realities to come. Yes. I know I have it. <laughs> I can't stop laughing about it. Okay. So the short-sightedness. All right. So. Uh, that, okay, so like, okay, here's here's two things. Now I remember. One, the danger that I feel that that about the approach that they're taking, like, it's not just like, hey, I don't know that you just get a slap on the wrist for doing that. Because yeah. what did Jesus warn about um, time and time again was like, the measure you give to people is given yeah. to you. So it's like, if you're going to say, well, he was going to wrong me, so I, I killed him, I was in the right. Doesn't Jesus have the right to do that to you? And if you do not forgive those who wrong you, neither will your Father who's in heaven forgive you. Oh, Be- oh that's works righteousness. That It's like, well, did he mean what he said, or did he mean something he didn't say and say something he didn't mean? And it's like, do you... <laughs> well, right? I mean... No, I get it. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's like the, the whole idea of he, he told you, forgive, let it go. Your Your Father has forgiven you so much more deep harsh reality oh this guy owes me money or like he uh tried to make a move on my life it's like okay you know you can you can address those things in a way but like man you gotta no one's ever wronged you like you've wronged me right and uh the the other thing that i was gonna say is like i don't get how people are in that position because it's that kind of love that we just talked about that jesus had showed originally Right, it's just this ripple effect. Like mm. Jesus was willing to die for his enemies, for those who who you know spat on him and just mm. uh, cursed oh, yeah. him and stuff. And it's just like, uh, how do you how are you missing that point? Yeah, because I don't really think you get what it means to be forgiven and what Jesus has done for you. And anyways, this just talking about this reminds me of just this is our glory. Yeah, this is the glory of Christianity. There's no other place you can find something like it. There's nothing. There's nothing, really. And so it's just like, so why wouldn't you just do it? Like, yes, dying sucks. But if someone <laughs> didn't die, think about it. If someone yeah. didn't die, and the person who died was the Son of God, yeah. right? If he didn't die, you would still be in your stupid, ignorant, hard-hearted ways and where your life was just miserable. It was like a misery that wasn't just like, oh, it's hot. Like, like we're right now, <laughs> it's hot in the shed. But it's like... I hate myself and I hate everybody around me. And you know what I mean? It's just like, gosh, how do you miss it? Yeah. How do you miss that? Yeah, there, there is, but there really is some, it. huh? No, but I, I was going to say, but then I 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like that's what I was gonna say. Is there's this there's this uh, propensity to to see that fault in everyone else, and then it's like, okay, do I do I hold grudges? And um, I I feel like that's something that I'm good at for the wrong reasons. Is like I'm good at letting go and not really holding grudges. But I actually think that has something to do with I have a bad memory, <laughs> and so I'm not like, I, I, and I mean that like I forget. Sam will tell you. There's all these stories from high school that uh, he'll, he'll recount, and I'm like, I have no recollection of that. And there there will be people who will tell me, man, I'm so sorry. Like, it just still bothers me, like, two years ago when I said this thing or did this thing to you, and I just wanted to apologize. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But, like, I forgive you. Like, please don't think that I'm holding a grudge against you. But I, I, I almost think that that's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like I, I've mm-hmm. been robbed of the capacity to really deeply hold grudges like that. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's like, I, I do see in myself the sin of just pettiness and it's like what I'm owed or what I'm entitled to or, or light and you know, life's not fair. And like, I, it's not fair that this person has this and this person has this and this person got to do this or whatever. And I'm, you know, limited in all these ways. It's like, man, do you not get the, the, how, how deeply you are blessed? I mean, so, this kind of goes back to a conversation um, was it you and I were having earlier where we wound up talking about Harry Potter. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's like Harry Potter at the beginning of the story, he's this abused uh, kid, you know, who's living with his aunt and uncle. And then he finds out, and I, I got problems with the way that the story kind of opens up and it's like automatically he's the most special person. He's, he's rich, he's famous. Like everybody loves him. And he just finds all that out. But then he goes back home every summer to this aunt and uncle's house and it's like, I feel like it'd be a lot more easy to live with them once you get that, like, oh, these people are just kind of shallow. They have nothing going on in their life, so they take out their frustrations on me. I'm like a wizard king over here in this, like, awesome alternate reality that's the the realer reality. So if these guys want to, like, oh, man, they made a cake for their son and I didn't get any. It's like, how can you be bothered by something that small when you realize the other world that you're a part of? And to me, while I think that, you know, there's some lacking in the telling of the story um i think that that is a really beautiful parallel to the christian life where it's like how can i hold a grudge how can i be so oh i I can never forgive this person for what they did to me um and i'll admit you know i have not been wronged as traumatically or as harshly as a lot of other people have who have been you know raped or sexually abused or um you know all those sorts of things like i've i've not had to, to forgive to that point but most of the people that I know that have problems with forgiveness, it's not about things that are that um, <laughs> large. It's about it's about things like, well, his ah, just it's it's small petty things. And yeah. It's like just let it die, man. Yeah. It, it's vanishingly unimportant. You know, yeah. Compared to the larger realities at play here. Yeah. And vanity. I think vanity of vanities. Like, I think my two. Besides Jesus forgiving us, I think my two favorite like, <laughs> like forgiveness stories. One actually comes from the Bible. So it's like sacrifice and forgiveness. It's uh, it's Joseph forgiving his that. Mm. Oh my God, yeah, that's, that's a tough evil. one. Yeah, that's yeah. a tough one. Joseph forgiving his brothers, then his brothers sacrificing themselves. But like Joseph forgiving his brothers of all the things like they sold him, like slave and stuff. It's like yeah, like I forgive you. The other one I want it's not Hudson Taylor. I know it's not Hudson Taylor. Just his name comes up. But there's a story well like if you guys do you guys ever own those like missionary books? Like, yeah. Yeah, the brown books. Yeah, when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about brown books, but I I you know I'm learning about, right? about a lot of missionary biographies when I was a yeah. kid. So this is one so I it's not I know it's not Hudson, Hudson Taylor. Taylor was China. Yes. 
Who was yeah. who was okay. in India? William Carey. Yes. I mean, William, you know, yeah. there's a ton of different missionaries. But there, there was Carey? one one of the books Carey. I read. I was like, Jim wow, Carey. like I remember this later. I was like, this this is awesome. Um, there's this guy, he went, was a missionary. Uh, his family went to prison, and like they started kill like one by one killing his child, like taking him out of prison. Yep. And this he is would, not William Carey, but I know he what would like about. every day. Like look out the window and sing like Amazing Grace. They took a child, killed it, <clears throat> and they instead like say you're not, you don't believe yeah. in God. Like right in front of his wife, and one thing he said, like one, the one prison guard got saved, and he said like, how do Christians hate us this much, or how can Christians hate us this much, and not tell us about God? Like Christians are sending us, practically sending us to hell because they're choosing not to tell. I thought that what he said was great, but that just that image of like, what a model! Like he's, his wife and children are dying, and he's still praising God. I like, heard um, like amazing grace. I I heard a different version of that story. I think it might be the same story, and maybe the truth is somewhere between my details and your details. But it was a missionary, or maybe it's just a totally different story. A missionary, northern India, in the jungle, and uh, you know, miles from like what we would consider the civilized world. And this guy was actually telling the story because he was like, oh, a bunch of us like reformed people and Calvinists, we really hate the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Because we're like, oh, like, oh, look at me. I decided to follow Jesus. Oh, right. look at me. I'm, I'm so great. And so we really hate that song. And I admit, like when I'm listening to this story, I'm like, yeah, I don't like the song. What of it? And the guy's telling the story about uh, the guy who wrote it kind of with the, or maybe he didn't write it, but he... I don't exactly remember. He's there with his family. They've all been apprehended. And it's like every day they are going to kill someone else in his family until they get to him. And it's like, you know, okay, we've killed your your youngest daughter. What's your decision? He's like, I've decided to follow Jesus. And then they kill his, you know, second youngest daughter. And it's like, you know, though none go with me, so I will follow. And it's like, you know, they kill his son He's like the the world behind me, the cross before me, and I'm like I'm I'm listening to this biography and like tearing up because I'm like this is so. Like that story, is so much dearer to my heart than any story about a guy going out and like sniping the guy that killed his daughter or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that that story is so much more true to the to the Christian tone. And then there's another story, of a of a kid. This this kid is like you know. 15 years old and he's also this is in indonesia i believe and um he had heard the gospel and he's like holy cow like there's there's only one god and like he loves me and he gave his son like i i I gotta tell you know i gotta tell everybody that i can about this and he goes into this other village because he's he's been reached by a missionary he goes into this other village and he starts to tell them the story of the gospel and like they freak out on him they're talking about how like he's preaching a false god and like you know we worship the real gods over here and and they they start beating him and everything and um and they 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 beat him and they carry him unconscious out of the village and they just dump him and he wakes up and he's like i don't i must have been saying it incorrectly because there's no way if they heard the story that i heard that like they could have responded like this you know and so he goes back and he's like no, guys, you don't understand. Like, I I mean what I'm saying, and I'm telling you that like his name is Jesus, and like he came, he's the Son of God, he's God Himself, and he, and they still like just railed on him, and they started beating him and everything, 
and uh, like they they were they were wrapping barbed wire around batons and like you know beating his legs oh. with them, and they carry him out of the city, and he's like bleeding and and you know delusional and everything, and he finally kind of stabilizes, and he he realizes like I told the story right, and they still like hated me and they still rejected it but i can think of nothing else to do with my life than to go back into that village and to just say the same story again there's nothing there's nothing that's like more what am i going to do like just go get a job and go whatever and he goes into the village a third time and they wind up like you know beating him beating all this kind of stuff and he goes unconscious and he wakes up and the women of the village are like you know, dabbing his um, wounds and like dressing him and, and trying to stop the bleeding and everything. And it's like that slowly, you know, the women first and then, you know, a lot of the other people in the village, they started to accept because like this kid knew that when he came back here, we were going to kill him and he came anyway. So maybe we should give him a hearing. And it's like that that is for all the things that we want to call biblical masculinity or manliness or whatever. It's like that courage and that... um that abandonment of all of what the world calls successful is like if i if i can have that or if i can be really macho and strong and you know thought of as as a masculine leader or whatever it's like i'd go with the love and the sacrifice every time there's yeah. one thing there's one thing like i wish like when you're dying of a model that's great but there's one thing i do regret um, it's not like nothing to do with like you know dying as a Christian, but it's like not being embarrassed seeing that you're a Christian. Like yeah. it's so like uh, so like when I was working at Super Target, I would never say I was a Christian just because I knew all everyone I was around mm. wasn't a Christian. And like now thinking back, like why didn't I like say that? Like what what is it to be ashamed of? And um, there's two there's two things like I would really like. It's Twenty One Pilots actually say it. It just because they're talking about like being a model. They said like uh, I would catch a bullet for you, but then then he actually says like after that he says, oh thank goodness there's no actual bullets because would I actually take a bullet? Mm. And then he's saying like would you actually like you you Christian like they're saying like you actually say this stuff, but would you actually do it? Yeah. And one guy actually said like you can't even say that you're a Christian. There's no way you're gonna die as a model. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's actually easier, uh, and I don't mean easier like there's almost a, he a heroism in like oh I I told the guy I was a Christian I died for my faith and it's almost like I I got a ticket out, you know, um, than to live every day saying that you're a Christian, saying that you're against some of the things that your friends do or approve of or whatever, and to be ridiculed, maybe lose your job, all that uh, sort of thing. So. Yeah. I think there's a pushback and to that. I told you this before. I think, like, of all the worship songs, I think that my favorite one is, like, it's just, like, how great this love is that my king would die for me. Yeah. Like, that, I think that's that a just, really good song. I think that and is, can it be? Yeah, how can it be? I didn't that, hear uh, that until I was at my, CC. That's a beautiful yeah. song. How can this, my king, will lay his die for me? Oh like, that. Gosh. I love that just song. Just saying that, yeah. my king so, would die for me. My beautiful. chains fell off. Yeah. My, yeah. uh, uh Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. Uh, what I was going to say is, um, going back to the question, is like, um, so one of the things I did want to say, I forgot to say, is uh, I do think, so masculine, masculinity and femininity mm -hmm. um, are both qualities that I think, you know, a woman can 
show masculine things and women and men can show mm -hmm. feminine things. But I think that masculinity is better expressed with men and femininity is better expressed with women because of you're going to have to elaborate in order for that to mean anything. Uh, so like men biologically, right? So if we think about masculinity, um, I think it ties into our biology, right? Of being strong and, you know, even if like machine-like or, you know, building or tearing down is just this kind of thing. Whereas femininity is more of a softer, right? Graceful. Yeah. yeah. Where I think uh, we could say masculinity is more sharp, right? And I feel like... The rock uh, and the water. Right. Is it that, like the man is the rock, but the woman is the water. You know, yeah. She's the moving, flowing. Right. And so what I was going to say is then maybe a biblical masculinity or a biblical manhood is using that power and that strength that uh, you're created with, both physically and, I guess, mentally, biologically, I would just say, um, in, in such a way as, like, so... I can use my muscles to crush this can of soda, but I can also use, I would say, as much muscle and much strength to, to for the, the paintbrush or for the, the tweezers to delicately pull out whatever, like the splinter or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like you can use your strength to destroy or you can yeah. use your strength to become gentle in a yeah. sense and tender. And, and that's, like, that's really impressive when you see something when you see something that's built for power and it moves with like grace and delicacy right you know so this goes back to when you're talking about like mike tyson who i've seen him in real life he's built like a football player he is really impressed and i don't even know what other heavyweight <laughs> must look like because he's a smaller one but like yeah. i was like i totally get how you knocked people out because his hands <laughs> were like but, it's like a house yeah but uh, him you know you expect to see the world expects to see him knock people out unconscious, yeah. but imagine him applying makeup to his daughter or something. Yeah. Like that. You know what I mean? So it's like her hair or something. Seeing a man use all his strength and prowess yeah. instead of being intimidating and, and, you know, putting himself on top is, like you said, sacrificial and tender and gentle. And yeah. you see the muscles being flexed just to be tender and gentle. I think that is a picture of biblical masculinity. Yeah. I, I think there's something, um, it might, regardless of if you are a man or a woman, something that is really great to see is a very strong man with a genuine smile on his face. Right. Like, you know, you just walk in just down the street and then some guy's walking the other way. It's a really strong guy, but like he's happy, he's content, you know, and it's like that kind of gives you this sense that, okay, there are things in the world that are going to just be okay. You know, like, uh, you know, here's a guy, he's a force, but he's a force for good, for peace, for uh, joy, for contentedness. And so that's why I think, you know, that's another reason that I think men should strive to be strong is so that you can be strong and gentle and joyful and people can see that in you and just be encouraged about, um, you know, just be encouraged about reality. It's, it's like we're, because of our warped world, we see muscle... And this, this ability, physical ability, even. As it, danger. or As danger, yeah. right? Like holding a spear yeah. and thrusting. Like that's, yeah. you know, the knight with the sword. Mm -hmm. When it's like, no, this guy can just really build. Yeah. And he's building houses for orphans. You know what I'm saying? Something like that mm -hmm. where it's like you're using all this power and strength for good. Instead of like the lion who's warped by this 
the, the nature we're in where it's, it uses to tear flesh apart. That makes a difference between a man and a beast. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like meekness. Well, and I was going to say, in in reverse, well, not in reverse, but complementing that is feminine, like women and their, you know, what is biblical femininity mm-hmm. is this meekness and quietness of spirit being powerful. You yeah. Know, like that, when you see that, and like this, something I feel is biblical because God is always turning things around. Yeah. The younger is going to, you know, the older will serve the younger, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. And it's like, it's like when you, when you see a woman and she's, you know, just kind of meek and mild and smiles and all that kind of stuff. And then you go into her house and you're like, wow, this place is gorgeous. And then you find out that like, she, she's a day trader. She's managing money. She's like in real estate. She's doing all this, like, you know, really, uh, she's doing these things that build her house, you know, that build her, um, that, that care for her home and she's competent and she's a force, Yeah, you know? Well, what I was going to say is, because that story, I I don't know why I don't think about that story more often, but the, with the, the missionaries now in South America, those women mm, who yeah. are not intimidating at all, like nobody would ever think here's these women, they're coming and they're going to, you know, invade and ravage our village, right? They're just these women with children yeah. and they came in there and they changed so many lives. Like there's the story and it's tied to the husband. And this is why I think marriage is so precious is because you're seeing the qualities of a man a quality of a woman complementing each other not at war with yeah. one another right yeah. and it's just like you're seeing the women finish the work of the men the men lay their lives down the women are there to finish plowing that field and they do it in a very meek and quiet way and look what happened those those men those villagers who are ready to kill mm-hmm. right they put down the the spear and now they're even becoming like a father to one of the children of the men. They yeah. get. How? Who? Where else do you get that? I yeah. honestly want to know. Where else do you get that? Well, not only they they came to do that, they came in expecting to die. Yeah. To yeah. finish the men as well, but to die with their children. Quiet, meek, but powerful. Yeah. Dude. Mm-hmm. I think um, <laughs> another thing of the story about forgiveness is that like with um, I mean, with Carrie Ten Boone. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's yeah. like, oh man, like Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom. Yeah, yeah. sorry. But there's another one. Like this guy, Nazi guy, and it was, it was awesome. There's, actually, there's a video of it. This is Nazi guy talking about like forgiveness, and everyone in that room was in the Holocaust. Like was, oh, mm-hmm. man, and they all gave, forgave him. Like they forgave uh, him. Okay. Like they, that was. Uh, and he had no idea everyone in that room was. See, because I've I've seen a video where it was a guy who did stuff. That rescued a lot of lives. Oh, yeah, rescued a bunch of kids and all those, well, the kids that he rescued. Oh that was awesome, Shinders too. Wasn't Schindler's List? It was a real, real guy. I had no idea what his name was. But. Yeah, but, yeah, forgiveness. Can you imagine? Wasn't it Shakespeare? What do you say? Is it to forgive is divine or to love is uh, to No, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Whether he was real or not, that was beautiful. Whether Shakespeare... Yeah, I think Shakespeare might have been a real guy. Okay. <laughs> but, uh... All right. We good wrapping this one up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wrap it up. Yeah, very good. I love you guys. Yeah, let's let's uh, move all the food wrappers and <laughs> end this with the sound of chewing. <laughs> all right. See you next time, guys.